0: Awoga, this is a dwarf cast.
1: Mrs Robertson, we're ready to start your dwarf cast now. We're no longer insane, we're live, and we're ready to discuss Red Dwarf Series 11, Episode 3, Give and Take. Unfortunately, we have all spent the last two days in bed with a hangover, following an impromptu party to celebrate the presence of an ampersand in the title. Nevertheless, tonight we'll be working through an unprecedented number of talking points, as well as discussing the latest news from the British Board of Film Classification, a fresh batch of completely true dwarf facts, and a look ahead to an episode which promises at least a quartet of rumours. Tackling GT from GT are me, Ian Symes, Tanya Jones, Hello. the ghosts of Jonathan Caps, and Danny Stevenson. Hello. Our special studio guest tonight is Joe Sharples of the official Red Dwarf Fan Club. Hello! And if you're listening live, then please do get in touch. By far the easiest way to get your message to us is by commenting on the Spreaker page, but you can also leave a comment on the Let's Talk About Give and Take, Dave, uh, Give and Take on Dave thread on www.ganymede.tv or tweet us at Ganymede Titan. But first, let's lay down our briefest of thoughts on this episode as a whole, starting with Capsy.
2: It was a
3: really good episode
1: thanks, in depth but <laughs> that's okay, Danny it's
3: my favourite so far
1: Tanya
4: I thought it was a waste of a really good villain
1: Joe,
4: I really enjoyed
0: it and it is my favourite so far
1: I think it is mine as well uh, yeah it probably is uh, we're getting a lot of love for the ampersons in the comments so far already and that's very good Uh, The ampersand is basically the biggest issue of this episode, so I'm glad we've got it all sorted now. Um, So yeah, the talking points from this episode, uh, let's start off, as Tanya, you brought it up, a waste of a good villain. Is that what you thought of? The big fuck-off medical robot fish thing?
4: Yeah. I really like the villain. Um, You don't see very much of the villain, Um, and they don't do a lot except kill the villain, and... (laughs) I didn't really get very any handle on why the villain was there, what the motivation was, why he took Lister's kidneys, uh, etc. Well, he, Apart from, he, he's mad. He
1: well, we will get onto that. <laughs> there <Yeah>. is <laughs> there is a whole big long talking point we had about why, and indeed if he took Lister's kidneys, which I don't think he did. Um, but yeah, we'll get onto that. The yeah the, I think we've been we were sold a dummy with the promotional material because we all assumed that um he would that would be the thrust of an episode would be the big scary fuck off robot medical fish thing, but it was in <laughs> fact not the thrust of the episode. Which there's been a lot of comparisons in the week to quarantine in the way the episode is structured and it's very much like Landstrom. It's it's there to establish a plot, but not necessarily the plot that you're expecting.
2: Yeah, I think
3: the fact that the, the space station stuff and Asclepius is so good is luckily for me has, has has played out as a strength of the episode. Because if all the stuff after that wasn't good, wasn't up to scratch, then it would it would feel like a a massive disappointment. But luckily for me, everything that follows it. Kind of does justice to the setup,
5: I think. Well, I
1: also even I picked out a comment from Andy Holland and then basically just said the same thing myself because I'd forgotten that I'd picked out this comment. But Andy Holland said, uh, "I definitely would have liked to have seen more of Asclepius, but as many have pointed out, villains have been used several times in Dwarf to set up a plot only to quickly disappear, and that's fine. The balance between sci-fi and comedy is what is Red Dwarf's strength." Strength. Uh, so yeah, but but while he was there, he was really really effective on screen.
3: He was. There was um, the, the, I think that the, the I'm just picking a random thing here, but the, the the voice treatment on him I thought was really good because it wasn't quite as strong as what Elden had done to him. It was just like a very slight kind of. Dreamlike kind sort of horror movie backwards echo thing applied yeah, to it. Reverse reverb kind of thing. Rever- yeah. To the audio engineer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that was that was really nice. And actually, there was a lot of the design isn't massively subtle. I couldn't really imagine that design flying for like a an actual medical robot that <laughs> is intended to you know be a medical robot. But there was a lot of subtle subtlety to him as well.
1: He was certainly more subtle than Kerry Shale's Medibot from *Fathers and Sons*.
4: <laughs> yes, it was a far better performance. Far better bot. Better bot.
1: Guess what? I, for a brief moment when he spoke for the first time, I thought it was Mark Heap, and I got very excited <laughs> <laughs> for having another Big Train alumnus in the same series of Red Dwarf. But no, sadly not. So. uh but yeah, um, Asleepius, or is it Asleepius or Ascleepius? Asclepius? Asclepius.
3: Although Crying does say Asleepius just after putting um, the cat to sleep. <laughs> so
1: Yay, <everyone>. definitely, definitely. <laughs> uh, he was not the only uh, extra droid this week, uh, because no. talking point number two is Cheese Petril, <laughs> because that's what Snacky I reminded am. me of. <laughs> Uh,
3: this, uh, yeah, another Mitchell and Webb reference. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, Jim Boyd said, uh, Snacky was wonderful. Uh, the initial reveal of it after Crichton had so bigged it up elicited the biggest laugh from me. Slightly stretched credibility that the massive identity-confirming text on his back was never spotted by Rimmer or Crichton, but I'll give that a pass.
3: Yeah, no, I think they I'm did not... enough to show him hiding it deliberately in no, subsequent well, scenes. To kind I, of
4: get away I, I I, I differ. Um, I don't think they did enough uh, to really convince me. um, Of what? Of of the of them falling for um, Snacky being the Medibot But they did though But
0: they did what? (laughs) No but they did like I think I'm misunderstanding your point. You said um, you they didn't do enough to convince you that they fell for it, but they did fall for it. Is what
4: I mean. No, mean... no, sorry, I, I, I didn't think they did enough for them to fall for it without right. it being a, okay. a stretched point. Or a I guess the thing is that
0: they were on a on a space station that was falling to pe like they were about to be destroyed by meteors and stuff. So there wasn't really an awful lot of time to. To go into the details of, like, so exactly, who are you and what what have you done? And I, I do, it does rankle with me a little bit that they do keep doing that and just <laughs> assuming who people are. But,
2: they're, yeah, but cause they, yeah, because
4: they, did that I last. Also, it was
2: last week,
0: wasn't it? They were, uh, with Bob the Bum. On the first episode, yeah, oh, yeah, and Jesus oh. in lemons, although that was oh, slightly different. Well,
4: but... I, I, yeah, I bought, I bought that one.
1: <laughs> I bought, I'm on board with Jesus. <laughs> I'm on board with Jesus,
2: um,
4: but yeah, especially as they encountered the sleepiest, killed him, and then didn't seem to spend any time sort of thinking, who was that well, guy? They,
0: they, they didn't really kill him. Particularly, the meteor storm killed him, but they but didn't they, re- they didn't him help. Him. Well, I guess at that point they, their experience of him was, uh he's um, a mad, insane robot with. Oh yeah,
3: with so he does say, um, it must have been an escaped patient.
0: Yes, yeah, he says afterwards, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Mm.
1: There's yeah. there an awkward um moment of framing, uh, where Snacky is, uh, coming into the science room. Yes, I know. So. Uh, and he kind of turns his back. So that are not He uh, no should have turned see. the other way. Yeah, yeah I know, But he like turns that. it so that as he comes into the room, his his sign that says Snacky is actually facing it the yeah. <laughs> yeah. it coming in. So, yeah. But, That's so... uh, Snacky was completely given away by uh, SFX magazine. Mm. Uh, the SFX magazine from a. this month's Best effects magazine with the big red dwarf feature the main image at the start of that feature is the crew uh with their arms around snacky Uh, but i had misinterpreted it as being a some sort of computer rather than a robot because it just looked like one without knowing the Mm -hmm. context and also i'd completely forgotten about it by the time i watched the episode so it (laughs) didn't it didn't ruin it that much for me
3: at least in the picture there wasn't you know, a big sign saying Snacky on it. otherwise yeah. That
2: would have been a bit of a thing. <laughs> that would have been a good point. I like Snacky. I like
3: him. Yeah, they, they went through the effort. I mean, you know, without wanting to jump ahead, but like uh, all the scenes we see him in, he he does have this kind of awkward, sort of sidling around the room motion. Like every scene he was in, at least there was the effort there to say, okay, we need to keep him moving and hide his back here and here, even though there was a mistake, obviously <laughs> in the science room. Um which I appreciated
1: <laughs> it just, it took him a long to uh it took him a long time to correct anyone's mistake
4: <laughs> yeah, that's what puzzled. i think that's the only thing I've got with him is that it's it's um there's be two things going on he's he seemed to sort of there was a joke about him about them making a mistake and him not correct maybe I don't know being too embarrassed to correct it and then all the movement seemed to be him trying to hide Snacky uh, the Snacky sign which suggests that he was trying to um, pass himself off as a medibot but I don't think any of his dialogue supported that he was trying to pass himself off
1: no I think maybe he was just was scared of the consequences of, of revealing that he's not who they think they are
4: I mean I presume it's it's just social embarrassment
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't want to correct them.
2: Yeah, they saved
3: him or they rescued him from that space station on the pretext that he's a, it was a Scipius, so maybe he was yeah. worried that they just took him out into space like they did with Irene.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, ben, he he has he identifies as male, so uh, yeah, not there's no, he's yeah, safe yeah. in the Red Dwarf universe. Does he? Well uh the, it's complicated now, let's not go there. <laughs> But yeah, Snacky does seem to be proving popular on like, as a character regardless of the whole mistaken identity thing. And it's interesting in contrast to Irene e and most other people or beings or life forms or whatever that they've come across. He is presumably still on board the ship. Uh, he could yeah. turn up, there could be some an episode down the line with Snacky and Hoagie the Rogie pops round. <laughs> 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 That's
2: true, Hoagie's I, that. you know,
3: Every time they enter the room, it's like...
1: Hmm. Uh so um another uh, obviously the big thing with Snacky, uh comedically uh was his scene with Rimmer uh which I labeled daddy issues in the uh, in the talking points <laughs> uh because yeah Rimmer is now uh required from uh required? I'm very tired today I'm sorry uh Rimmer has developed since uh he's taken on board the stuff from the beginning and it's interested that this was the first episode recorded of series 11 so in terms of the chronology it follows on directly from the beginning uh, and Rimmer has now yeah. taken that on board I'm just getting some messages through that we're a bit quiet so I've turned us up a bit see if that helps uh, yes carry on um,
3: I forgot okay. <laughs> oh, okay, so that scene I, I think that I really I really like that continuity. Even if it's, it's, it's one kind of smaller scene, it's, it's nice to kind of have those little threads just running back. And actually, I think it's probably more effective that it's come in episode three rather than episode one. Mm. Um, just because otherwise it would have turned up in episode one and so far there hasn't been any other real connections back to ten. So that was nice. But um, after the initial line of... I have some issues with my father, who's sadly not my father, and my mother, who sadly is my mother. Yeah. After that, it kind
2: of—I
3: felt like it dropped off comedically, quite sharply. Uh, it's one of the few kind of weak points
1: for me. Well, Dan Pendo Pendleton says the same. Uh, he said he thought it was just a little bit over the top, and it's the only part of the episode he didn't enjoy. Um, but I really liked it. Uh, I think just the, there's those little sound bites. From Rimmer about lettuces and green crayons, I really liked.
3: Yeah, I can't quite put my finger on it. It's just like they didn't connect to anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. The, The thing is, if it makes you laugh. You don't notice these things, and if it doesn't, you try and look for reasons why. And I guess if it hadn't made me laugh, I would have had the same complaints as I did about the Cat and Lister scene last week that it didn't seem connected to the characters. It was just a series of funny lines. The difference is these funny lines gelled with me, and last week's didn't. I
3: think that's a fair point.
1: Uh, John's Mad says that um, Rimmer is now mixed up not just about his childhood but by recent events since the bargain the montage that follows was like the loading neurosis scene from Sirens given a voice
3: that's a nice point I do like as well at one point in the scene it cuts to Snacky but the audio is of Rimmer whimpering really pathetically and mm. every single time I've watched it my brain has instantly told me that that's Snacky crying just so stressed <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that's whimpering and crying until it cuts to Rimmer and I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, sorry, that's Rimmer doing that, <laughs> not snacking. The, um
1: the this episode you know we were talking just now about the episode order. This uh this episode really seems to have gone down well on Twitter, like during um during broadcast it seems to have connected with a lot of people. I do wonder whether this might have been a good one to go out first. For the continuity reasons and the fact that, yeah, there's just something about this episode seems to have really connected. And there are reports, uh, although I've not seen it myself in the top ten, but there are reports that hashtag Captain Bollocks is trending. Which is quite an extraordinary thing.
2: Yeah, I think
3: last week Red Dwarf itself was trending and that was noteworthy. Mm. And but, now a line from an episode yeah. which is, is trending,
1: which and is... tonight as well. Tonight is a really big night. Uh, at nine o'clock, <laughs> tonight is there's the new series of The Apprentice started tonight, and there's also the fall on BBC Two, and Hunted on Channel Four, which are big series that have a lot of people watching live. So Red Dwarf is really having to compete for attention this week.
3: Yeah,
1: but um, speaking of Captain Bollocks, as we're on, as I did just now. Um, Captain Bollocks, has, I don't know how many people are really aware of this, but Captain Bollocks has a strange provenance. Uh, and I've been waiting on this for so long <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't go to the recording of this episode, but Joe did. And Joe, uh, did you contribute to the set report that week? Yes, I did. Uh, and your suggestion for a tiny teaser was Captain Bollocks. Yeah. And I said, well, hang on a minute. Captain Bollocks. <laughs> and Jo yes, Captain Bollocks. Captain Bollocks, as in the unused Smegup, Captain Bollocks. Blah. And
0: I said, I don't know what you're talking
2: about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and so I've been waiting for a year to point out that Captain Bollocks actually originated in uh, an unused Smegup from a rough cut of the Smegups tape that was I think the the origin of it is that it was shown at a convention and in its rough cut state, and then copies of it got duplicated. I picked it up for the first time about 12 years ago on about a 20th generation VHS, uh, but it is on YouTube now. Someone has taken the bits uh, that didn't make it into the Smegups tape and put a compilation on YouTube. I think if you search for the Lost Smegups or something... Uh, and so it's a bunch of uh, unedited rushes with swearing intact, and there's loads of stuff that didn't end up making it onto the Smegups tape, including this Smegup, uh, and I'll play you the audio now, from uh, Terraform, uh, where I think a snippet of it made it into the Smegups beat, uh, but here is the original origin, uh, yes, original origin, that's definitely a good <laughs> phrase, of
6: Captain Bollocks. I then order you to don my old spacesuit, the one with the word "Old oh, Bollocks." Oh, I love that one, the one with "Old oh, Bollocks," sir. Bollocks. Very nice, <laughs> Captain, Captain okay. Bollocks. Captain Bollocks. <laughs> he was a great man. Captain O. J. Bollocks. <laughs> That's one in the eye for those who call me an asshole. <laughs>
1: captain bollocks there uh just quickly to respond to a comment that's come in stephen a bootman yes that sound in the background that sounds like a a, a <laughs> snoring cat is indeed a snoring cat but we've just poked her and so she's not snoring anymore um <laughs> pete part three says he wasn't blown away by captain bollocks uh because he's not sure if crichton should be being that coarse um <laughs> I is, uh, it could be the case that it that's what Lister and Cat call him, and Crichton isn't kind of, kind of isn't aware that it's that coarse.
3: <laughs> I I think in secret Crichton is probably very coarse.
1: <laughs> secret.
3: Like he's got he's got bits of, of broken programming left, right, and centre, and and behaviour protocols all over the place. I think that in his in his own little rebellions, I think his files are probably full of stuff like that I, I find that quite believable and yeah really. i i think it was when when Crichton gets into one of his little rebellious states i think that he has he's capable of doing something quite crazy and doing that kind of thing he'll be in an room one day for some reason he'll then rename that folder and then forgotten that he'd done that <laughs> and then later on when he's kind of gets back into his guilty stage you would be like oh my god i can't believe I did that but it's there and yeah. that's and that's what it is so exactly. i can believe that it's it's, do, it's doable for Crichton. It's a pathetic rebellion, and it,
1: yeah. that feels very quiet. It's very passive-aggressive, because it's done internally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, within, going back to the talking point that we were... Previously talking about before I got distracted by my overexcitable Captain Bollocks. Bollocks. Uh, bollocks. <laughs> um, also lumped into the the daddy issues. There's, there's also character stuff there with with the cat. Obviously in this episode, what did everyone make of the Lister and cat relationship in this episode?
3: I mean, Cat went very serious one again, didn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of his characterisation, and being very, very sort of very self. Uh, conscious and but not, not not really self conscious, but just very selfish in general. Selfish. You know, going back to the kind of um, you know I'm trying to sleep kind of thing.
1: Well, um, yeah. And, and Nicking... As
3: soon as his life's in danger, he's like the nicest thing ever because he's like, oh, I'd like it. yeah, The kid stuff have kind of confused me a little bit, especially the sort of the the, the room with um, crying and the medical reports. Uh, maybe I'm just tired, but I just <laughs> I, on on the, on the second watch of that, I didn't really quite understand what the ploy was.
1: Well they, they needed
3: I just, I just maybe need that explaining <laughs>
1: they needed Kat to sign a consent form to give Lister a kidney and the way to get him to do that was to think that the consent form meant that he would get Lister's kidney and then Crichton came in and said, Oh, actually
0: No, it was they he he when um Crichton went to tell Kat that oh I've got the, I've got them mixed up and he was like Oh, Mr. Lys will be so happy, I'm going to go and tell him now. And then Cat runs off ahead of him Mm. to go, Oh, well, I've decided that I will give you my kidney, because if it was the other way around, then you would definitely give me your kidney, wouldn't you? And signs the thing, because he thinks Crichton's going to follow and say, Actually cat needs Lister's kidney, so he's like preparing the ground for Lister to give right. him a kidney.
3: Yeah,
0: but
2: no, okay. he... Yeah. So
3: he... A, uh, possibly an element of like, there's one extra unnecessary layer to that ruse, which is Crane coming back and doing the switcheroo and telling the cat that it's actually the other way round just before knocking him out, when actually they could have knocked him out saying, we're going to do the operation now, and him still believe that it was the other way around because when it comes to morals they've pretty much crossed the line anyway well yeah (laughs) what's actually happening before they
1: drug him i was gonna say the way i was about to say well that wouldn't be ethical if they'd done it that way but then i realized what they do in the episode isn't particularly ethical (laughs) (laughs) they just knock him out
0: yeah i do have a little like when i was watching it i was like this isn't really right is it (laughs) they're basically tricking him into mm, giving away tricking him into consent (laughs) So, Hmm. hmm. okay i thought
3: about this a little bit at the time um but i I ended up not putting it in my review but there's also a a slightly recurring theme in doug's writing of slightly misrepresenting medical procedures um, (laughs) and The, oh, you'll be left with a hole and nothing else <laughs> when the kidney transplant is, is a little bit like um, um, over to Bill yeah,
1: and the bone marrow
0: but then it was Lister that said that so he's not you know.
1: also the cat has a completely different physiology to humans it, yes. may, it may just be like operation where you just pull a bit <laughs> yeah, out and, and them, a kidney and shaped them, hole they, remains they cope
4: with that by saying oh uh the um, sleepiest here can fix it all and then snacking up and going actually no, probably not and then yeah, it, would you like some now. pretzels <laughs> I am low but I still have some uh, and then it's all for naught anyway because they they decide to go back in time and get Lister's kidneys
1: well that will bring us on very nicely to our next talking point uh, but uh, if you found it fascinating thus far then the good news is we're only halfway through the talking points And if you found it tedious so far, the good news is that you can let us know why by leaving a comment on GNT, (laughs) tweeting us at Ganymede Titan, or joining in the discussion on Spreaker. We'll be tackling the time travelling talking points after this, uh, but first, here are some little known facts about today's episode Ganymede and
5: Titan presents Dwarf Facts. The original title for this episode was Gibbon Take and would have featured the return of Peter Elliott playing a mischievous thieving primate. This episode saw the first appearance this series of veteran guest star Jimmy Nail, the Newcastle-based actor and musician, in the uncredited role of past Lister. Location filming at Fawley Power Station had to be cut short when the crew were ejected for tampering with the owner's collection of antique skeletons and disembodied kidneys. A deleted scene revealed that Flight Coordinator Ronald Littlewood was in fact Rimmer's mother, after Dungo the Gardener had an affair with him. The title initials of this episode, GT, is a reference to prominent and popular fan site Total Red Dwarf. Crichton's new lie mode has prompted a flurry of complaints from members of the British Stammering Association. The emails have been pretty lengthy, but the phone calls are even worse. Craig Charles followed the long standing tradition of doing his own stunts when he removed his own kidneys live in front of the studio audience. The cover of the Series 11 DVD will feature Lister, Rimmer, Crichton, and Snacky. Danny John Jules is yet to comment. Give and take has a better ending than quarantine. Hashtag dwarf facts.
1: Some dwarf facts there. Uh, Still lots to get through tonight, but there's just time to have a look at some of your comments that have been sent in so far. Uh, No Known Cure uh, says, Is taking unwilling patients' kidneys immoral now? Political correctness gone mad. Uh, Curtis Threadgold says, It's okay for the cat to have different physiology. It's genetic editing. Chances are Doug has been reading about C-R-I-S-P-R. And I don't know what that means, but I imagine someone will. Uh, to something
3: to do with Trotsky or something now again.
1: <laughs> and Pete Tranter's sister says, everybody quiet down, G&T are trying to be funny. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least we're not recreating things that already exist. Pete Tranter's sister, if that is real, real name. Uh,
3: C-R-I-S-P-R is a genetic editing method. Yeah. It um, stands for Clustered Regular Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats.
1: Is that just and off the top go. of your head, Danny?
3: No, 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 I just blocked <laughs> <Right.
1: laughs> So, yeah, uh, the next talking point is a leak, right, in stasis, i.e., all of a sudden, halfway through this episode, turns into a time travel episode. Discuss.
2: Yeah, Someone, discuss. It's really good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a bit out of nowhere, for yeah. sure. Like, the, 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 the concept kind of. Um springs up of nowhere. the only kind of previous mention we'd had was the stasis leak uh our stasis chambers being mentioned in the first scene by the lift but i think it's it's probably no more of a of a leak than like the stasis leak itself and I really really enjoy the little loop that uh, that they create i think it it's it works incredibly well for the episode
1: i think with regards to it. Coming out of nowhere, I think that's a strength, really, because it takes you by surprise. And I kind of had a moment of realisation, uh, and I got there around about the same time as the characters did, of coming up with the plan. I realised that that's what they were doing, and then the mention of it's to do with engineering stasis booths and then remembering Rimmer and the lift. It's one of those things that only occurs to you. And again, that's the second week in a row where the opening scene becomes... Takes on a different meaning the second time you watch it because you know yeah. more about about the plot. Yeah.
3: Simple but effective.
1: And so yeah, it it kind of works as a time travel thing. I think there's probably some there's some sort of time loopy paradox there with Lister's kidneys. And...
3: My, my feelings always with these things is that any time travel that's part of the storyline is going to involve a paradox of some description. Yeah. But it's about how that hangs together with the, the consistent or the internal consistency of the episode itself. Like all time travel is, you know, you know all paradoxes are going to cause a plot hole if you analyze them mm. to their logical conclusion. However, this kind of circular thing is a sort of time loop is something that obviously Red Dwarf's done before with Lister. Yeah. So there was that nice kind of echo there as well to a shit episode that
1: this one did better. Um, I like the fact that it was uh, all so needless. There was no... (laughs) (laughs) It took us a while because when we... Started watching the episode, well, well, when we watched the episode last Friday, me and Joe afterwards were like, hang on a minute, so, and this, like, we might as well tackle these two talking points together, because they're all, (laughs) we spent a little while figuring out what exactly was going on with the kidneys, but now that I have figured it out, and we'll get onto the specifics shortly, I like that there is absolutely no need for those kidneys to move in the first place. It's all based on a misunderstanding, Um, Crichton thinks some bastards Nick Listers kidneys, we need to we need to get them back. Whereas in fact it was him. He is the bastard lister's who
2: the kidneys.
1: A kidney. <laughs> um a uh, quick viewer comment uh that was posted on gnt during the week from Nick R. Uh when the present crew were wheeling the two listers around, I guess they were gonna run into past Crichton who would help them in some way, which ne- would necessitate him erasing those events from his memory and tie to the memory deletion jokes from earlier. Yeah, that would have been that good.
2: That
0: would have been very good, yeah. actually. You've
1: ruined
2: the entire episode,
1: thanks. Yeah,
0: that, that would have been
1: perfect. <laughs> yeah, never mind.
0: Oh, well. Let's just assume, let's pretend that's what happened.
1: Yeah, it's just we didn't see Head it. Headcanon. <laughs> there was also the, the effect shot of the two listers on screen together was incredibly well done. And again, yes, yeah. similarly, I like the fact that they didn't need to do that. They could have quite easily got away with just doing a more simple effect shot if they'd have had Cat or Rimmer or Crichton yeah. be the one to chloroform Lister. The fact that they yeah. they knew that, by, that they'd make it difficult for themselves by having Lister do Lister. It's good. It's
3: like the production is no longer terrified of making an episode of Red Dwarf.
1: Yeah. <laughs> They can do uh, it. Now.
3: Or Doug isn't terrified about right. You know, like a, a character as strong as Asclepius and as well liked as he's turned out to be, is in. Is I mean, he's gone five minutes before the advert break. You know, mm. it's that sort of old style of confidence that like, I've got this great idea, but it's going to be used to set up this other idea that I've got. Is is so nice to see. Regardless of the details of everything, that that just general kind of. Confident environment
1: that this show has been made in is is very nice. Yeah, well I get, I get it's one of those things though. Like we were saying earlier, that it's a good job that you like the the stuff that comes later because it yeah. could it could be a bad thing to throw away an idea like that. Oh well. Um, yeah. So whose kidney is it anyway? Uh, it was apparently Doug Naylor. Uh, is going to be on the brilliant FUBAR radio. Uh, (laughs) It's a terrible, terrible radio station run by cunts. Uh, But he's going to be on FUBAR radio tomorrow, and he says that he it's a pre-recorded interview, uh, and he's going to be clearing up the kidney thing, whose kidney was it in the jar. So let's take advantage Uh of the fact that that was a pre-recorded interview and still speculate on it today. Uh, Because, yeah, as you were saying earlier on, Tanya... Uh, about why did a sleepiest steal Lister's kidneys. I don't believe that he did. Ditto. Uh, I think this is kind of what we figured out. Yeah. T- I'll let you talk joke as you were the okay. one that <laughs> pieced it together for
2: us.
0: So um, my the way that I, I've seen it, because we had a big old discussion about it, and then yeah. I went back and watched various little bits just to clarify some things in my head. So, the sequence of events from them basically from them stealing Lister's kidneys. So, they still pass Lister's kidneys, put the chip in him so that he lives. Rimmer comes along and wakes him up, takes him to the space station. Asclepius is like some super awesome medical droid thing. Um, He scans Lister, realises he has no kidneys. And is with someone who does have kidneys, and he obviously has the ability with the um, the DNA yeah. stuff to to make the kidneys work. So even though he's a little bit bonkers
2: <laughs>
0: in sort of in in greeting them, his he he's he's thinking he's got his two patients because here's somebody who has no kidneys, here's somebody who has kidneys. I am obviously supposed to put kidneys from one person into the other. So I object to him being called a villain because <laughs> i think he was just trying to do his job go about his day in his barmy old manner <laughs> um and so yeah when they walk in cat hasn't been operated on yet um mm. i did wonder maybe if because he's doing something to listen, so i was wondering maybe he's taking that chip out
2: mm. oh
0: which would then explain why Crichton didn't find a chip in him yes, when they get back to the ship. Um, so that
1: was the one plot hole that was remaining. That was because... the only thing
0: that was really bugging me. Yeah. But he was—he is kind of like—he's doing something when they walk in. Yeah. Um. But obviously, they—they they charge in, shoot all over the place, shoot some kidneys, and then they have to just—they <laughs> shoot some kidneys. They shoot some kidneys in a jar. Um, And then they have to get them out of there as soon as possible because the place is disintegrating. So they don't really have time to check who those kidneys are. Um, My assumption is because they're in a specimen jar, they were just in a specimen jar, like hanging around maybe that dead guys. But Mm. you wouldn't have kidneys in a specimen jar if you were just about to use them in an operation. Yeah. I used that. That's yep. my uh, all my experience of watching Grey's Anatomy there. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't think you would have them in a in a preserve. Like, you put them in there to preserve them. So they're not um, ready to go in. So yeah, not really to be put into people, perhaps. But anyway,
1: here's um, the future. That might be the way that kidneys are done in the no, future. Maybe. Um, Renegade Rob says, I wonder if not long after Romero stabbed himself, Asclepius harvested the body for organs and they're his. But it doesn't matter.
4: Um, why, why does Lister take his own kidneys in the first place is that what's happening
0: yeah so when they get back to the ship Creighton obviously uh, it looks after him and Kat and realises yeah. he has no kidneys and assumes because he saw a pair of kidneys and he has and Lister has no kidneys that those kidneys were Lister's kidneys and that the crazy droid stole them because he doesn't know at this point that they took the uh, the original kidneys
1: um, I hope you're following this. I hope
0: you're following all of this. Yeah. So yeah. so they go back to the ship. Lister's got no kidneys. The assumption is they shot the kidneys in the jar and they were Lister's, and this crazy droid stole Lister's kidneys. So Lister now has no kidneys. And then obviously the resolution that they get is that they go back in time a couple of days to take, take past Lister's kidneys mm. to give them to future Lister. So basically the entire episode is Lister has no kidneys the entire time and Asclepius has nothing to do with that
4: but why does Lister have no kidneys because they took them but why did they take them
1: because Lister had no kidneys. because they <laughs> thought because yeah I'm having
0: trouble with the They've, start it's, it's the paradox it's what was right. the bootstrap tra- 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 it's, tra- tra- it's like um but they're not having a name Bill and Ted
1: yes right yeah it's the it's the same time travel principles that Bill and Ted use um, yes at what point do do they go and take those keys?
0: Yes, because it's because it's like it, they've created the loop themselves in that they take the kidneys. They always took the kidneys because they've created this paradox. And actually, Asclepius did nothing, and you're all calling him a villain. And he was just trying to help.
3: <laughs> Justice for Asclepius. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, Team Asclepius. That
3: whole that whole explanation, that whole reading of it. Which is something that that I came to primarily because of uh, reading your original explanation of it. That is, I love that so much that that is the reason why I really don't want Doug Naylor to, to say. <laughs> you know, oh, actually. <laughs> because there's a chance it might not be that. And yeah. that would be a terrible, terrible shame. Because that's such a big part of what makes this episode click mm. from a story perspective in my head. Um, and if it's something else, then for the first time ever, my fanon is going to overwrite. <laughs>
4: that's, okay, I feel I feel slightly better about having watched it three times and still obviously not got the central point of the episode.
1: So, yeah. well, it is—it's open to debate. It, this, is, yeah, this is.
4: Oh exactly,
3: yeah, that's yeah, it's what we, a great thing to think on and, and mull over. And there are a couple of legitimate theories that would make sense. And that's what's so nice and satisfying about it. And I kind of want it never to be 100% confirmed, really.
1: (laughs) Because the thing is, definitely, uh, absolutely definitely, when Asleepius gets hold of Lister and puts him under, Lister has no kidneys at that point. Yeah. So it can't be the case that Asleepius took them, uh, and it can't be Lister's kidneys that got destroyed because those kidneys were actually in the future at that point.
3: Unless Doug has a less of a grasp on the timeline than we do, yeah. <laughs> I really
1: hope not. As the as the credits were rolling, I said, "But hang on, who's what kidneys were they then?" <laughs> so it is. So <laughs> Stephen good. Stephen and Bootman suggests that Doug will reveal that the kidneys belong to Rimmer, and everyone's <laughs> minds will explode. Uh, um, Andy, Holland's, Sorry, go on. Andy Holland says uh, bootstrap paradoxes are completely fine if you stop thinking of time travel as a linear thing. Imagine it as being all events stamped onto a really long piece of tape. So do that. Uh, <laughs> and Jonathan Johns Mad Young says Lister's dad gave his son the kidneys. It's the sequel to Fathers and Sons. <laughs> uh, and Pete Part 3 says I suggest people watch Blink if they're confused. Anyway, I just suggest people watch Blink anyway. <laughs>
3: yeah. That
2: episode's nine years old.
1: Oh, just the way you like them. (laughs) Um, So, with all of this in mind, (laughs) is it shit or is it good? Uh, Tanya, do are you are you dissuaded from thinking it's shit, or do you still need (laughs) further viewing to
4: decide? Shit seems a bit harsh. I (laughs) I really enjoyed Asleepius, Um, thought it was great. Uh, but not nearly enough for my liking, and I wasn't a big fan of just about everything else.
1: For me, it was it was funny this episode. It made me laugh in a way that Samsara didn't do so much. I don't know what it. It's hard to quantify because it's humour and it's entirely subjective. But I seem to a lot of the jokes landed for me uh, in a big way this time round, and yeah, it, it just. It felt slightly effortless, the humour. It didn't feel like they were reaching for the for the gags particularly. Uh, and so I would say it's a good episode uh, because it, it had a, a clever plot that makes sense if you talk about it enough. You know. <laughs> and it made me laugh. Anyone else?
3: Yeah, definitely good. I think the reason the jokes, or oh, so many of the jokes landed for me, were the, kind of the character-based nature mm. of, of them all. I think it, all the characters were nicely consistent. The jokes all landed. There was a great sci-fi concept, a great sci-fi um, person, not villain. <laughs> <And just laughs> e-
2: everything everything just kind of came together, and it all, almost took a bit from
1: everything that Red Dwarf does well in that like, One thing. It's, it's not shit. <laughs> I wanted to, uh, the the one comment I've decided to pick out from, uh, from G&T on the last week, I picked out just because how surprising it is that this person posted it. It's uh, Pete Part 3, uh, who is second in command of, in G&T's Chief Grumpy Pants behind John Hall. <laughs> uh, Pete Part 3 says, it's fucking great, it's Red Dwarf firing on all cylinders, it's funny, it's packed full of ideas and it's fast. It's a uh, there's no waffle, there's no comedy routines. It's just a tightly plotted story and characters bouncing off that. I can't think I'd I, I can't think of anything I'd change in give and take aside from Danny's wig. Danny's wig was weird, wasn't it? Yeah,
3: <laughs> hey, I, didn't... I quite liked it. I think the cat can look how the hell he wants. Mm-hmm. It's a bit hand wavy, but
1: it was very wavy. He was, just, was just
3: trying. He was trying something out, you know. <laughs> I
2: think,
3: yeah, I mean, like I've said this on the on the site, but I'll, I'll say it again. Um, cat's hair isn't. Really, the way that his cat's been, his hair is sort of unprecedentedly strange. I mean, look at, say, how it is in body swap for I me. Mean, it's like yeah. it's frizzy as hell and looks really unusual. It's not, it's not how I would. Well, I've just I looked up
1: and uh, polymorph is on Dave at the moment, and his hair's looking terrible in that. Although, admittedly, that is after he's been yeah, attacked by the polymorph. To look <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: it was just because I mentioned it in the in the set report as well. Yeah. and it's just obviously that was the first one that was recorded and then it did change later but mm. it would just seemed it just didn't seem to fit it it, it was a little bit distracting um, and given that it's not a a black hair thing it's cuz he's a cat yeah and cats are sleek yeah. Um, yeah it just it it bothered me a bit so I was happy that they kind of fixed it afterwards cuz i just found it a little bit distracting that's all
1: maybe bit, yeah with it being the first episode, maybe it was a case of looking at it on camera and deciding, oh, that doesn't quite work, let's change it. Maybe yeah. it was a teething trouble.
3: Yeah, I, I do see this episode as almost like a pilot in mm. a way. Like, There's lots of things slightly different about this episode that feels different than the other two we've had. With, obviously, because it was shot first. Like, Rimmer's characterisation does seem a little bit different. I'm not saying it's off, I'm sort of saying it's quite different in this episode than it is in later ones. He does seem quite extreme. Um, in parts, with his reactions to Lister and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but like I said, off the back of Fathers and Sons, it would make sense that his character has kind of changed a little bit because of you know um, not so much holding him back anymore. But it does he does revert if you top you know go if you, if you go chronologically through the, the shooting dates. Um, but yeah, I, I but you know like I said, I think Cat is the most like Cat in this episode. Like maybe not in luck, but certainly in attitude. Yeah.
0: yeah, I because I, I know I'm sort of jumping back a little bit, but I really like yeah. the bit with um with him and Lister and just the whole bit where he sort of he kind of goes off in a bit of a huff and he's like you know you spend all this time with someone and you think mm-hmm. no you don't know me at all. I,
2: think, I
3: think really I love like it. I love that whole, bit. the whole element of him getting genuinely upset and I said in my review that I took that. Or one of the ways you could take it maybe is that he's not 100% upset that he's been asked to give up one of his kidneys and he just doesn't want to do that because he's selfish. Like he's talking about you know things like all these years and later on he says, you know, um, buds until the day I get my first wrinkle. Like he, he, Surely on some level he is deeply upset that his nature is preventing him from helping his friend. Yes. There's the, the yeah. no conflict there. And that, I, I think fight. that's right there on screen, like right with Danny's performance.
1: Mm. Yeah, he yeah, it's a good performance. Jack Willett points out uh, that they made a joke about his hair looking like a bog brush, so perhaps it was deliberate. I wonder which came first, <laughs> the,
3: the dialogue all the week. <laughs>
2: recent, or
3: the wig. The recent, fairly recent revelations about the cat always having some sort of makeup that is kind of like a tabby marks. Yeah. What about the what about the eye makeup here? Kind of taking that to the nth degree. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: It was kind of. Was it a little bit silvery the eye maker
0: It was really yeah. well. It was really dark on the top as well. That was quite yeah. It, that seemed to get toned down a bit as it went through as well. So
3: Barry's uh, th- comment about this being a pilot episode is actually that's quite astute. I think. I mean, in, in real terms, after four years, it kind of has to be in some way new. Fifty mm. percent new of a production company and and all that.
1: The first I mean, of twelve,
3: like somebody mentioned, Andy Holland mentioned the, um, like the Walking Dead, no offense, kind of thing. I mean, if it was the first episode, if that was the first one, there's lots of reintroduction of Crichton, Cat, River, and Riverhand, Lister in that episode in terms of just their, you know, where they stand and their status quo. That was another yeah. great moment as well. Just a, a nice little cutaway to Chris's face, nice <laughs> line, a nice reaction.
1: One of the jokes in this episode, uh, which actually is probably perhaps not my favourite joke in the episode because it's quite shoehorned in is the joke about FIFA uh, about how Crichton is now so effective at lying uh, that he could work for FIFA. It struck me during the first time I watched it as being really familiar for a reason that I couldn't put my finger on and over the course of the week we've figured it out. It's uh, it's been recycled uh, from a deleted scene from uh, Entangled, as presented on the Series 10 DVD. Thusly...
5: What are you saying? That She started
6: out as human. She devolved, got less and less intelligent, maybe reaching the level of, say, presence of FIFA before finally running to the chief.
1: So there you go. Doug recycling himself from four years ago. Uh, Pete Sister asks... Uh, has Doug's wife just got a new cat or something and Doug's just stood it away? He's really nailing cat and typical cat mannerisms so far. I think, yeah, it it's, it's be, he has become... He it, it varies over the years as to how cat-like he is. And I think in New Red Dwarf, in series 10 and 11, uh, there's more cat-like tendencies to him.
3: That, since we're talking about things that have been said that originated years ago... Um, it was either Rob or Doug that has definitely got that story about when they were first writing the cat, yeah, saying that their wife had just got a cat. I think it might have been Rob. Mm. He was, he was sat and he was watching how he. No, actually, it might have been Doug. So I think Doug might have done that in like you know eighty six or whatever yeah. <laughs> they were writing the first series.
1: Um, I think um, we well we've failed to establish uh, anything really so far. It's been quite a poor podcast, if I'm honest. But um, still, moving on, we'll be returning to uh, discussing Samsara a little bit, not Samsara, give and take a little bit later. Uh, But first, let's move on uh, briefly to cover some news, because we learned this week that, uh, well, we learned a lot of details about the DVD, uh, and controversially, uh, seemingly, the behind the scenes feature is going to be 52 minutes this time. Uh, which is less uh, than we're used to, really, even on the original batch of DVDs when it was all just retrospective stuff um, covering each episode by episode. We're getting less than 10 minutes per episode, really, when you look at it. But it's got less of a story to tell than We're Smegged, it seems, because We're Smegged, a lot of its runtime was about here's a huge mistake that we had to cover up, uh, that we had to fix. Uh, And that doesn't seem to have been the case for series 11 and 12 it seems to have been quite smooth and that's perhaps not as good a story
3: yeah i think i, I brought to mind it was only a few, a few weeks ago a few months ago um stephen r fletcher actually came and visited and we put that documentary on and no
2: it, it, <laughs>
3: like it was really not very pleasant and it, it got to a point where it was like all right all right it's done now. <laughs> Jesus. Like, you know, um, and I think it's a lot of its running time is, it, it, you know, I, I maybe could have been, could have been cut out without really losing too much of the fact rather than some like one-sided opinion, maybe. So I, uh, I'm quite encouraged by the still really generous. Well, oh, yeah, like, running put it, for, for three hours of of TV.
2: Definitely.
1: To put it in, the context of current DVD releases in 2016, a minute of deleted, of behind the scenes is better than you'd expect from a sitcom, especially sure. a sitcom made by a digital channel. So to put it in context, we are not remotely being shortchanged. Like we are grateful for what we're getting. Um, but yeah, maybe it's just a, it's a bit, it's going to be different uh, from before. We're going yeah. get...
3: to It's a bit of a shock. I mean, um, I mean, this is a unique series in in many ways. Like, one to eight were, um, were retrospectives. Um, I can't even remember how long the Back to Earth 1 was in both of its parts. Was that just an hour, wasn't
1: it? Um, add them together, and it was about 70 yeah. minutes.
3: Okay, so that was... Okay, I'm not entirely sure how they made it that long. But anyway, <laughs> that, that, again, was in its own unique position. That 10 will forever be a special flower in Red Dwarf history yeah. for its production um, issues.
1: In many, and many so ways.
3: Is, this, you know, there is no kind of context for I don't know, how how you really go about a relative, uh, presumably smooth running series.
2: <laughs> We're <laughs> also going
3: to make another one next year.
1: Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so Bromley just pointed out, and lots of people pointed out on G&T uh, over the last couple of days that this is essentially part one of a two-part documentary, because it's, it's telling the story of the same production period.
3: Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I'm saying it. It's like, obviously, this whole this 12 block is sort of like is part one and two of a series, just a big 12-episode series for me. That's right. Mm. We, we've got 12, well, presumably we've got 12 months in between these series. Bloody Nathan doesn't have uh, 12 months between documentaries, you know, like yeah. you had to shoot it all over like a 12 week block spread out over about 14 weeks of actual time. So like, there's only so much that that can be and, and done, you know, by a behind the scenes team as well. Um bit of a boring
1: way of looking at it, but you know, that's a reality as well. Um, Elsewhere. We're getting 14 minutes of deleted scenes, uh, which again seems short. I think series 10 was about 20 minutes, but then, yeah, you know, you know, maybe less was deleted. <laughs> yeah, that's well, the kind of thing. there was
3: half of Dear Dave
1: in there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and well, yeah, half of Dear Dave wasn't made on the night, but half of what was made yeah. was cut.
3: Oh yeah, yes, a quarter of. Yeah. Uh, one
1: entire, yeah, yeah. About uh, well, three eighths of Dear Dave. Was <laughs> there. <laughs> Uh, there's five and a half minutes of smeg ups which again seems short, but maybe it's just been really tightly cut. I don't know. Um, maybe they've got you know less running time overall because there's a lot of um, model shot stuff in there as well.
3: Yeah, a lot of model shot. Like it sounds like they've got all model shots. It's about 20 yeah. minutes long, which is about the same as you would have got in a classic series.
1: Yeah, but even more. Um, yeah, and
3: we should to the model shots actually because the model shots in this episode were particularly beautiful. Yeah. The, the shot of the I, don't, I assume it's a CG shot of the. Um, the I don't even know what the ship was called. They ended up on. They never called it by any name specifically, did they? The space
1: station. The mm. Space station. I
3: yeah. Think. yeah. So the, yeah. the way that was getting destroyed by meteors looks absolutely awesome. I, I really, really enjoyed that. It's gone, guys. Well, I was just going to say, I just saw a comment earlier, and I'm sorry I don't have it in front of me, so I can't remember who it was that said it, that was pretty convinced that the space station was entirely CG, and I've not been able to work that out, which is a good good, good sign either way, I think. But yeah. Yeah. It would be a hell of a build if that was a full thing, that's, that's all I was thinking.
1: Um, I think it's the space station is CG, but there's obviously physical Starbug mapped onto it. Yeah. And so yet, yeah.
3: maybe physical panels that got destroyed,
1: perhaps. Um, and the music as well in that sequence when, um, when it was when the space station was been destroyed. Uh, Howard Goodall tweeted earlier this week an image of his, um, I can't remember the name of the program, but uh, a screenshot of his editing project basically, uh, that had his cues for that sequence. It's great music, it's uh, kind of stra- strains of the red dwarf theme, um. That's done in a sort of Star Warsy type arrangement. Mm. Really good.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And there's an absolutely gorgeous shot of the um, the Starbug uh, coming back to to Red Dwarf as well. And it's a shot we haven't seen before, where the kind of the shot is pall- passing from back to front of the ship. But it's all coming backwards. And it's just it's just sort of it's a, it's a shot we haven't had yet, and I just think it looks amazing. It gives you angles of the ship we've never had before. Yeah. I think it's great. It's, I think it's very telling that um, as the each episode goes on, like, model shots and music, especially, aren't, like, standing out to me. And I think it's a good thing in that that, especially the music is just kind of so nicely integrated. Um, and, I, you know, that's the curse of, like, you know, someone scoring a, a, a thing is that if they're doing it right, it doesn't necessarily stand out because it's meant to hit you on a kind of a more subconscious level. Mm. And, I think Howard Goodall's done done amazing work on that. Although I can't quite figure out what new what's new stuff and what isn't.
1: There's um, a lot of library. recycling going on, and but it's it's not yeah. the obvious stuff a lot of the time. It's uh, it's it's you know, bit cues that were used briefly in episodes in the past, rather than the stuff that's you can you know yeah. identify straight away, like during Series 10, where you said, oh, that's the music from Crichton doing his list when they're building the shower. Although this episode did also have a little bit of Rusty Billy Skunk, which is Yes, they
3: Oh, yeah. And when Asclepius was revealed, mm. I'm still pretty sure that that is exactly the quarantine music.
2: <laughs> right.
3: Like, the, the the kind of the, the background whine mm. that, that was in that music is almost if not then it's been recreated in some way or you know purposefully kind of called back to but I'm not entirely sure it's not just the same piece of music so maybe I need to defer to you Danny on that one I'll have to listen back I've not, I've not, I've not noticed that one specifically but I was in a noisy room and heard it this morning so fair enough
1: um so movie we got distracted a bit there. We were talking about the DVD. Uh, there's two <laughs> other things to note. Um there are two entries for Twentica on the BBFC website. Um they one is Twentica and one is Twentica edited version, but we're pretty sure that we figured out that there's no need to worry. It's just that yeah. um it's that Doug did re-edits for Twentica in between the initial screenings and broadcasts. Uh, the episodes must have been submitted before he made those changes, and so he resubmitted Twentica after those changes were made, because the running time It's to be
3: assumed that that was quite an expensive edit then Yeah <laughs> After <we resubmitted laughs> an episode to the BBFC. Yeah
2: uh-huh.
3: <laughs> um, But yeah, the edited version running time is two seconds shy of the version that's on UK TV Play so
1: Yeah, so with brake bumpers and stuff Yeah,
3: Yeah, we definitely saw the edited version, so it's... um. A fair, fair assumption.
1: I wonder, whatever was taken out of Twentica, will that be in the deleted scenes? Because, or will that have all been submitted before those edits were made?
3: That's a good point.
1: We will wait and see.
3: Well, uh, no, interestingly, the uh, edited and the original were both classified on the same day. So, they
1: were classified on the same day. They weren't necessarily submitted on the same day.
3: That's very true. So if there was maybe, mm, I don't know, there'd be two versions of the delete scenes if that was the case. Yeah. So maybe maybe, so that, maybe would be out, that, that is lost footage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other thing uh, is that Samsara was rated a fifteen uh only the second ever episode of red dwarf to be rated a 15 and that one marooned has kind of had that certificate rescinded now and, and made a 12 again uh yeah. so yeah this unless unless edits are made uh or an appeal is made uh and appeals never work and we don't want edits then this dvd will be a 15 Ooh.
3: yeah so and and also now it's official that um Skeletons and performing fellatio is more um, sort of overage than um, than underage sex. So there you go. Yeah. It comes straight from the BBFC. I
1: would certainly hate a 14-year-old to see that footage, but a 15-year-old watching it is completely fine.
3: It's absolutely fine. Uh, yeah, um, I, as I said in the article, that is literally the only way in which samsara is like Marooned, even
2: though it wants to be. <laughs> uh,
1: um. So yeah, I think uh, it's probably about time to take a short break now but when we come back we'll be touching upon some of your small points. That is any little details regarding give and take that we've not yet discussed. Uh, So if you want your small point to be placed under the microscope, the best way to get in touch is via Spreaker or by tweeting us at Ganymede Titan. And we'll be right back after these messages.
6: On Monday, Red Dwarf blasts off on an intergalactic mission manned by a select crew of... Well, take second technician Rimmer, for instance. He's a man devoted to duty. Is
5: that a cigarette you're smoking, Lister? No, it's a chicken.
6: Right, you're on report. A man spurred on by ambition. Lister, I have an exam tomorrow which I intend to pass. I yet yeah, by cheating. This is not cheating. <laughs> Why don't you hand your body in and let them mark that? A man misunderstood by his superiors. And Lister. I try and expect Rimmer and everything, but it's not easy, because he's such a smaghead. (laughs) Lister, on the other hand, has no devotion to anything, little ambition, and is a source of constant surprise to everyone. Lister, not only are you so stupid, you bring aboard an unquarantined animal and jeopardise every man and woman on this ship. Not only that, but you take a photograph of yourself with the cat and send it to be processed in the ship's lab. (laughs) And the rest of the crew, well, you'll just have to join Red Dwarf on Monday at 9 o'clock on 2. See this old table? I'm going to sand it down. Not with sandpaper. With this. With sandplate, you sand to a perfect finish in a fraction of the time. There's a sandplate for every sanding job. Shake hands. Big or small. And when you're finished... Your sand plate won't be. Next. New sand plate from Sandvig. One at a time, please. Wallop, I've just been hit by my car insurance. So I hunt around for a better deal. But what can I expect for my money? Travelling abroad, sir. That's extra. Courtesy car? We don't do those. Oh,
1: you do get a complimentary tax disc holder.
6: With Prue, the only surprise is that you get free green flag breakdown cover. And you could save up to £130. Even more online. I'll do it now.
4: Call 08000327481 or visit prue.co.uk.
5: Why, hi, y'all. I'm here to say that if y'all are staying down in the South and you's looking for some of the best deals on Fiats, then you all want to visit Premier Motors, first for Fiat in the South, because they got one of the greatest after-sales services over 20 years' experience, and darn it, if they ain't got about the neatest credit terms this side of Fulham, my
6: grandpappy's Stonewall Jackson. We want to be able to leave a little... I want to be able to live a lot. I want to be able to go out once in a while. I want to be out every night. I want to be able to enjoy the garden. I want to be able to stuff the garden, hire a big yacht and disappear around the world. More and more women are taking control of their futures with a personal pension of their own. We want to be together. Whatever your plans for later life, you want to be with Prudential.
1: Welcome back to the G&T Live G&T Dwarfcast, where we're about to get our hands on your small points. Uh, but can anyone in the room provide me with a small point or two to get me warmed
2: up?
4: Yes, uh, both myself and uh, Carrie from Dwarf Visual Fan Club... Uh, oh, those guys. Those guys, guys hey. uh, noticed that... Um, Crichton's sort of uh, lying reflex or lying warning. It was rather like Arkwright from the very famous <laughs> sitcom Open All Hours.
1: Which it uh, had its sequel, uh, sequel would you call it, or follow-up or spin-off whatever, still open all hours yeah. uh, was recording at the same time as Red 11. Yeah,
0: in the studio mm-hmm. next door. <laughs> uh,
1: the spirit of Arkwright is <laughs> going through both <laughs> stages of, uh, of the angry spirit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one uh, other small point uh, which we neglected to mention in our main discussion was um, Rimmer's colleague that Snacky yeah. mentions at the start. Weird. Weird that that's there. And Doesn't pay off. I cause I watched it today obviously with you know not for the first time, and so I was kind of looking out at that scene to see if there was anything out. It looks to me like something maybe may have been deleted there, but I can't be sure. Joe, um, you were at the recording, and
0: I was at the recording, I don't remember anything. Um, I went back because I wrote really detailed notes, um, right afterwards because my memory is pretty poor, um. <laughs> And I went through it and I had a lot of detail about loads of other things. Um but there was nothing about that. Um I did see I think I did see somebody say on G and T that they took it to mean that because he said I served mm. a colleague of yours and it was like a, it, it's because a clue because it's a clue to the fact that he's like a service droid. Yeah. Um but I I don't know. I'm yeah, sure. maybe
1: was... maybe it's just <laughs> Doug hadn't anticipated, uh, which he should have done by this point, just how <laughs> uh, how keyed up we'd get on these little details and we're making a much bigger deal of it. Yeah. It was just a throwaway line <laughs> for a completely different purpose, but we're all looking in for meaning uh, into it. Um,
0: um, yeah, I was just going to say, um, referring having a read through my notes, hmm. um it would i think i think it is a shame Masclepius wasn't in there a little bit more um but he w- there wasn't that much of him there to start with like, the only thing that i noticed that i'd put in the notes that wasn't in the final episode was related to when he shows the note yeah um he also comments that it's um it's not written in his life. It's not even in my handwriting hmm. um and it's something like oh it's it's not written in blood if that's what you're thinking (laughs) it's not piss (laughs) or something along those lines it's probably that's not exactly what it was but it's along those lines and but that was kind of it really there wasn't a lot of extra material that they had to chop out of it but anyway i just thought i should say that fine they sound like good cuts
1: (laughs) i think so yeah it seems like it's gilding the lily a little bit Mm Um, We have some small points that have been delivered via our internet pipe. Um, Ali Green's small point is, With the hack stasis booth, they now have a time machine on board ship, meaning in future Echoes they can use this to go back in time to tackle or prevent any problems they encounter. Why not go back three million years and prevent the radiation leak? And for the response to that, see every episode of red dwarf that involves time trouble ever (laughs) they have had so many opportunities over the years as soon as they had the working time drive in tika to ride yeah the entire premise of red dwarf is fundamentally broken because Mm -hmm. they could just do it but their experiences of going back in time rarely end well and so i'd say that they're they're not doing that because they know how badly it can go wrong yeah. uh today the give and take is one of the few times where going back in time is actually successful for them in any way mm. and it doesn't cause any massive problems as far as we are it aware can.
0: well yeah because they create the problem that's uh, true yeah. themselves um but the technology that they adapted so that they could go back a couple of a uh, couple of days was created for that guy to go back 30 years mm. and as snacky said it it takes you know real precision to 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 change it
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so presumably it takes a hell of a lot of work to change it to go back 3 million years if it takes a lot of work to make it but go of back course, 2 days
1: there was at one point a magic door created by a stasis yeah. booth that went back 3 million years and they tried to prevent the accident and it didn't work hmm. so there you go that's always the answer <laughs> it <laughs> just wouldn't work and if time it did work, it would no entirely problem. break the, the, the show <laughs>
0: time will fight against them yeah, it's, it's destiny.
1: Meant to uh, Stephen A. Bootman's small point is: Did Cat ever get his Himalayan sea salt? <laughs> do they have a Waitrose vending machine on Red Dwarf? Yeah. Uh, they have a Tesco. They do. Uh, Curtis Threadgold has a small point. Uh, there is no number on Snacky's back, Milton Keynes or otherwise.
0: Maybe it's real tiny and you can't see it with your human eyes. You <laughs> saw it.
3: That was a, as a side note, that was a really well delivered line by Robert. Yeah. Like the, the spare in his voice. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> it
1: was Milton
2: just
3: Keynes. Just inherently amusing.
1: Milton Keynes is a terrible, terrible place. <laughs> it's true. I <laughs> went on the the stag night of Gaspacho Soups. Alex Newsom. Uh, and that was in Milton Keynes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Milton Keynes. On
0: oh, the other hand, Bletchley Park, where Tanya and I are going on Saturday, mm.
2: for that.
1: <laughs> Um Ali Green uh, says also couldn't Crichton's nanobots have created a list of some new kidneys like they made of a new arm? Yeah, but something yeah. happened in between series eight and nine, and so therefore there's no nanobots anymore. I th-
0: yeah, the,
2: I thought the nanobots left though,
3: didn't they? Burst out of his abdomen.
0: Am I misremembering? The nano butts
1: went missing in series eight, didn't they?
0: Yeah, well I, yeah, I thought they just I thought they abandoned him, abandoned Crichton.
1: Yeah. Anyway, oh I right. don't know. It's series eight. <laughs> yeah, does. no, they did. They
3: they I'm they not really it really ran away.
2: To...
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, they abandoned him in series seven. He found them again in series eight. Yeah, but they a cost- a, cost- a, cost- a, at the end of Nanaki, he found them again. And yeah, but was again, then then them, then they they he was mean to them,
0: wasn't he? wasn't he attacking them in a jar or something? So I'd be quite annoyed at that, and I'd leave them again as well.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe they're only really finite as well because they they undertook such a huge task in restoring Red Dwarf that they were all just expired from that, and all used up. That's
2: it. Yeah, I never.
1: Um, Stephen Bootman uh, says that Ronald Litterwood is an anagram of Dollar Down Toilet uh, clearly a reference to the budget for series 10 uh, compared to series 11 <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Curtis uh, has thrusted a second small point upon us this evening uh, he simply says Scutter
2: <laughs>
1: because yeah it's yes, weird there was a scut- there's oh, a Scutter true. yeah we have
4: mentioned
1: the Scutter and it's in it so briefly at the start and then so much else happens in the yeah. episode oh.
4: I want to even make an obscene gesture to Rimmer, like, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, oh. But, but I did really like... When he
3: beeped his horn, he might have said, fuck you. <laughs> 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 the, you know, the indicators were absolutely fantastic. I'm like, a little joke. Indicators. That's what
2: I was gonna say.
0: Wait, <laughs> did you not know when they're going off and they turn and they go round to the right, he turns a little indicator on <laughs> as they're going around the corner?
1: I have not noticed that <laughs> in any of that this <laughs> episode. <laughs> it's real cute. <laughs> okay, everyone on Spreaker seems to have noticed the indicators, it's just me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so I think uh, unless anyone else has any small points or any more come in, that's probably all the small points. Uh, I have
3: a small point very quickly about the scooter, in that the scooter was used very well. Well done, Doug. It is a good scooter.
1: Um, James, um, aka Sendable Objects, uh, says, that's the bazookoids back for the first time in Series 2, isn't it? Is it?
2: Um...
1: (laughs) I think it might Um, be. But because we saw them so much in the trailers, again, it's, it's kind of passed me by. Because it wasn't I wasn't watching this episode and going, oh wow, look at those bazookoids, because I'd already seen yeah, them.
0: Yeah, because they weren't in Twentica.
1: No. And, and they were, were they did in Did they Samshara? have them
0: in, with them on Sanchara? I can't remember.
1: It was like a no. week ago. That was ages ago.
3: Awesome. So yeah, it could, um, it could, it could appear, well be. Uh,
0: could well be the first. They did copy. appear
3: in an official capacity before this episode in the um, Red Dwarf 11 game.
1: Oh yes, yeah. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And Wow. Capsy, what a segue. What a segue. Um, Because uh, our traditional feature now is to speculate on what the give and take uh, episode of the game will look like. And if there's not some kind of operation style (laughs) removal (laughs) of kidneys, (laughs) then they are missing a trick. (laughs) And then yeah, how are they going to deal with time travel dynamics?
0: I don't know. Is there going to be another meteor storm thing though?
1: Possibly. <laughs> well, that's the thing. We don't know how. Di- I'm sure we've mentioned this before, but uh, how how different each episode is going to be in terms of they've got those the the things that repeat within within episode one. The mm. um, yeah, starboard traveling and the ship scanning thing. Yeah. They've built those game mechanics now, and are they going to oh, have yeah. to reuse those? Or yeah. is it all gonna be fresh? We just don't know.
3: Well the way Ian Game Digits is talking, the, the, <laughs> there seems to be a very specific kind of almost reset um effort going into Samsara right. now. Um, I'm sure they'd, they'd be daft not to reuse oh, certain yeah, mechanics. Of course.
0: Well But just not too much would be. Yeah. Just like yeah. I wouldn't I'm, mind I'm doing like a it, meteor game if, it, if there was a little if there were a few tweaks to it so it wasn't like exactly the same kind of Rotate going round and round and shooting the, the asteroid things, meteors. Um, yeah, yeah. a little change.
3: Snacky, um, snacky fixing up the stasis booth in some way, yeah,
2: maybe. There
0: was, uh, there was things that Which we I mean? that in the first bit of the game that we didn't see in the episode. So,
2: what, like,
0: yeah, all the gaps ooh, basically, yeah. the
1: escape be? from the space station, presumably,
0: yeah, with things falling while you're things trying to run falling,
1: around. and you've got to. Uh, push the trolley with Lister and cat on
0: it.
1: Yeah. And... <laughs> so, Bromley suggests get the cat his salt. <laughs> uh, John's Mad suggests lift promotion, a bit like the game Tapper where you have to move scutters up and down the floors. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. okay. uh, Sendable <laughs> Object asks Do I still need to remember that an octopus has three hearts? Uh, I think, yeah, just <laughs> remember that. Anyway. Uh international uh, debris, maybe the origin of the kidneys in the jar will be in the game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but then that would be spoilers, wouldn't it? With uh when oh, when Doug does his interview.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, maybe it, the game will have to say this contains um spoilers for give and take and Doug's Foobar interview. <laughs> Uh, And finally, uh, another suggestion from John's Mad, an Arkanoid clone called Captain Bollocks where you have to knock out the space station with one of Rimmer's testicles. I think that's unlikely. Yeah. But still. Uh, Anything more to add on the game or shall we move on?
3: Uh, One quick thing. Yes. Um, They are going to have microtransactions and it is going to be to unlock um, the next episode's content if you've not met in-game requirements yet. And it is fine.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the, that's the way to do it. It's an optional thing. You're not getting anything yeah. extra. You're just skipping steps.
3: Exactly. That was just the one outstanding thing that I was wondering about that has been cleared up today. So.
1: Good. Uh, Good. And so all that remains is for us to uh, touch a little bit upon next week's episode, uh, of tomorrow's episode, depending on which pace you're watching, uh, Officer Rimmer. Uh, Joe and I, we were both at the recording for Officer Rimmer. We were? Uh, I can't really remember whether I like it or not. I think I
2: did. <laughs> I
0: think it's going to depend on like, when we came out of it. We liked a lot of the episode yeah. and we liked the premise behind it. Yes. But it's all going to depend how it actually looks.
1: That's it. There are there are certain sequences in it that yeah. will the uh, the success or otherwise of those sequences will depend on the implementation of certain post production effects. Yeah. Um one of those one of those sequences, just the really, 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 really rough version that we were shown on the night Mm-mm. looked it didn't look good, but it was funny. And yes, it was a good scene. It was, yeah. Uh and so I'm not too uh, worried about that one. But the kind of the climax of the episode I think yeah. depends on some
0: It's really gonna depend how that looks. how it
1: looks on the screen. Um but yeah it's <laughs> It, it's going to be a bit more. Uh, I don't think it's going to go down as well as this week's.
0: No, I think. Well, because for me, it's, it's give and take Twentica Samsara. Mm. So I think it's going to be maybe on a par with Twentica and then. Yeah. It could go either way, depending on how good or how shit the effects are, yeah. <laughs> as to whether that goes up or down a place. Um, so well, the, so the, I remember it being, like, I remember us enjoying the actual content of the episode, yeah. and there's some really funny stuff, and there's some great Chris stuff in there. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, that's spoilers. Who'd have thought that <laughs> an episode entitled Officer Rimmer would have <laughs> be Chris Berry heavy?
0: Um, but... Yeah, I think. I think
1: what we've learned so far from this series is that you can't really predict people's reactions, and there is nothing even remotely approaching a consensus. I'd say that this week's is the closest there's been to a consensus, yeah, where I think so. most people are pretty happy with it, but then those that don't like it really seem to hate it. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be any middle ground this no. week.
3: Um, I'll just throw in a prediction for for Officer Rimmer. I'm going to say that there will be moderate sex references, um,
1: <laughs> and yeah, and given that they that we know from the synopsis uh, that it involves multiple rimmers, then uh, Tumblr will probably be happy about that. <laughs> uh, and but yeah, that's that's tomorrow. On UKTV Play. Yes. Or this time next week, well not quite this time next week, 9 o'clock next week on Dave. Um, judging from the Let's Talk About uh, threads at Dave Pace, I don't think anyone on GNT, maybe like two people are watching it at Dave Pace. Yeah. We salute you. Well
0: done you guys.
1: <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying my best to, to keep it sort of fresh in my mind as possible yeah. by the time Thursdays pop around but. It's just weird, isn't it? I
0: know. Yeah. You're going to struggle tomorrow. Pori and Sam's has to work. I know. Tomorrow, so...
1: I was... Yeah, I had a bit of a sabbatical for the start of this series, but now I'm back at work and it's really bad timing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Even yeah. worse, is you're going to have more stuff from me.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Because I work, but I work from home, so I can... Uh...
1: I can write more. Yeah. Uh, don't worry, your employers are not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry,
3: they're <fair> not.
1: <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Officer Rimmer will be released on UK TV Play on Friday morning. So head to Tv to join in the discussion as soon as you've watched. Uh, we should have some talking points for you, courtesy of Jonathan Caps by Friday night, with the in-depth written review along a few days later. Uh, we will of course be back here at the same smeg time on the same smeg channel for the next live broadcast. <laughs> uh, if you've missed any of tonight's show, you can listen again on Spreaker right now, or find it in the usual podcast find it in the <laughs> usual yeah, <that's> podcast type <laughs> places on Friday. Uh, that's it for tonight. Uh, a big thank you to our guest Joe Sharples, and an even bigger thank you to those of you who have listened live, and especially those of you who have got in touch. Uh, but until next week, Ed, bye everybody. Ed-bye. Bye.
2: Thank you for listening to G&T DwarfCast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our DwarfCast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye.